press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life even in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, world. the world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, the energy is fun. It's summertime. It's MDW. Which it's pride. Is this the first year people are using MDW as like a way to refer to this weekend? Or am I just behind? I think it is because, well, I've been confused. I have a friend named Mark David Wright and his <laughs> social handles are MDW. Ah. So I've always just, when people were saying MDW, at first I kept thinking of Mark. So it's, it's it. all just confused in my head. But I think so. I've never seen it before. But, you know, at the time of this release, it'll be June, Pride Month. And people yes. are mostly vaccinated, I think, at this point. Life is happening, Dylan. I know. Well, and you, know, you, the... you went on, like, your fifth vacation without me. I so. did. I, um, I am fully vaxxed. And I went to Myrtle Beach with my boyfriend and his family. And it honestly felt like a housewife's trip. In what way? Tell me we more. We stayed in, like, a seaside estate. Okay. And there was, like, 12 people there. And there was a whole thing about the rooms. Okay. And I was, of course, in the lower level as one of the guests. And you know, it was, there was dinners every night. You got all dressed up. There was photo shoots. There was cocktails. It was amazing. Wow. I'm gagged. Yeah. I love that. I love this little housewives tie-in. It's, it, it's supremely timely. I know. And you know, this is the kickoff to our pride series and our summer series will be teasing a little bit. Yes. Our pride series where we're like promoting that we're having a pride centric lineup of guests where it's just funny because all year round we do. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know what makes this extra special. Maybe because it's maybe people will think of it a little more. And we're listening. gonna we're gonna ask pride centric questions. Oh, okay. Delilah. I've decided right now. I love in this. this moment, and I will come up with them on the spot. I love it. Shall we begin? Yeah, I think it's time to bring in our guests because you know they they're booked, they're busy, they are riding high off of what can only be described as an iconic night. Even though I'll have words to say about the word iconic later on in this episode. Okay. Was that a tease for a dose of drama? It was, but bring in our guests. Oh, my God. All right. Word on the street is our guests today are making drama history as the first duo to ever join us after 21 months of podcasting. And, baby, it's a damn delight already. You'll find yourself saying... It's fun. I like the beat. So don't go to sleep. Together, they write and perform for theater, TV, and film. Their work has been presented and developed by Ars Nova, my former home, New York Theater Workshop, Prelude Festival, International Online Theater Festival, Exponential Festival, and more. They lead the Brooklyn-based theater and media company Fake Friends, who recently developed and produced Circle Jerk, a breakthrough in pandemic and online theater that Helen Shaw of Vulture celebrated as a coup. And the New York Times called a lot. In addition to Circle Jerk Live, they created A Doll's House Part 3 and recently executive produced and co-wrote the book for Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, which raised a total of $2 million for the Actors Fund and took home the People's Voice Award at the Webbies on May 18th. Their recent virtual smash, This American Wife, a haunting study of reality, abundance, identity, idolization, and intrigue in the Real Housewives franchise is streaming now through June 6th. And once you miss it, it'll be gone forever, like Ramona Pino or even She by Sheree Joggers. They are the rats of all our dreams, the Lord baby bussies of our hearts, and are joining us today for the first time live. Please welcome to drama, Michael, Michael Breslin, Breslin and, and Patrick, Patrick Foley. Foley. Oh my God. You're a poet. I'm like, I feel like I, I've never seen myself reflected so gorgeously. You're a poet and you should run the drama Pulitzer. Oh my God. Well, you know what? Dylan wrote it. Dylan writes all the intros. But I snatched a little bit from Seaview's website, just about like those pull quotes about from Helen and the Times. But coming from you two, whose writing and genius I truly idolize, that means the absolute world to know that you respected the intro. Okay. Yes. I have to say something on that because we have, we have many guests on drama and I love, I love all my children you know all, all my dolls as they say 
but I actually love the content you make so much. I feel like you're making it for me in so many ways. So I was like nervous as hell to talk to you guys today, but ecstatic. It always feels so good to talk to people who like totally understand the work that we're making because you know, some people don't understand it. So thank you so much for seeing us and continuing to support us. That sure is ours. Okay, and so that was Michael. And then Patrick is a different voice you'll hear. We often joke about which voices <laughs> is, are whose because as twins, you know, we have, I'd say semi-similar vocal intonations, but this will be, I just want to make sure that everyone's along for the ride with both of y'all. Totally. And this is Patrick speaking right now mm. for all of our listeners. This is sort of the timbre that you can expect from me. Love it. Right now. It's dulcet <laughs> as hell. Michael and Patrick, are you well? I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Yes. We're both supremely hungover. Super yes. Can we say what we everything. did last night Nothing's on the podcast? Our producer threw us like a closing party for just like the creative team um, and Jakeem, who is going back to LA today. And she surprised us at dinner. We were eating and Kelly Ben Simone walked Kelly into Kaloran. the room. It was- Wait, wait. Okay, Michael, we actually have to get a little more granular with, with how it occurred. So Jana, who's our one of, one of our two amazing producers, it was sort of very mom. She was like, it's, there's gonna be a lot of surprises, get ready to da 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 da. We're like, okay. And it's already like an incredible dinner. It's like so much more than anything anyone's ever done for us. So we're having a great time. And then Michael gets, in, gets a notification on his phone from the fake friends, or excuse me, the This American Wife Instagram account that says, um, Kelly Killer and Ben Simone wants to send you a message. And he shows it to me. And I, I mean, Kelly's incredibly important to me. I talk about her in the show. I lived in a dorm next to her house and I potentially stalked her while I was a junior in college. But he shows me this notification that's like, Kelly Killer and Ben Simone wants to send you uh, a, a message. We like grip each other. He he like pulls it up and it's her in what we know to be the room next door with this American wife tagged. And we literally, it was like time slowed. We were like, wait a second, what's happening? What's happening? I immediately burst into tears. We look up at Jana and she's like, like this wasn't the plan. Like the plan was that she was gonna make a big entrance, but Kelly and her social media manager, you know, got a little creative. Last night, Kelly talked about how she was on the show for like three seasons and then did like VIP cameos or something. She has some like weird okay. name for it. I was like, well, I okay. know there's the one scene that's like infamous. It's when it's in Bethany's return season when she's like going to the club and it's like singles night or whatever, I think. And I remember hearing Bethany talk later on like some podcast or something about how she knew she was like officially back in the game with housewives when she was about to enter the, you know, the party and Luann and Kelly were getting mic'd up to go in. And then, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Wait, so you met Kelly. You spent the evening with KKB. KKB is a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, and honestly, lovely. Like, I love so to hear that lovely. because, you know, I she's not one of my faves. I have to just be on the record and say. And, you know, her, her strange social media. You met her social media manager. I want to have a conversation. The strange things that are happening... Okay, I was a new he's hire. a new hire. He graduated NYU Tisch wow. last week. Well, okay. But he, he is the mastermind behind the scary island, the scary island sort of, uh, you know, expose, as well as some okay. of the recent TikTok pieces. The one with gunshots is the one. I've not seen it, but I'm scared, that. to be honest with you. Is she now a realtor of sorts? Or what is she? She seemed to be peddling week i don't think we can did 60 okay. million okay. in sales oh, very yeah. that did you did you imagine that like a an east coast wife would be coming to this this party like not at all okay can we tell you the history of like housewives interacting yes, yes. with please, this american please. wife so when we did the first full length production because it started as like a 15 minute like sketch basically not like sketch only, but it was sketch of a we met uh backstage working on a show by Jeremy O'Hara who's my roommate and Patrick's friend and 
uh, we just found out that we were both like completely obsessed with the Real Housewives and like not in a like ironic sort of like, you know, distanced way, mm-hmm. but like in a completely embodied, like full best way. And also like experimental theater. What we year had a was lot this? of connections over that. So this is before like the true full memification. Yes. Yeah. And we were at Yale School of Drama, which fancies itself like a very serious place full of like really serious thinkers, you know, who are here for the art of it. And there was, uh, you know, and obviously like all of those kind of coded words like skew Mm -hmm. really heterosexual really quickly. And so like finding a connection that felt like poppy and queer was like a real really major thing I think for both of us yeah and I think your point is like so important that like we made this show before like the Mm -hmm. TikTok lip syncs were happening so like the whole vacation section in the stage version essentially was what now (laughs) is TikTok (laughs) not that we you know put it on the record we invented TikTok (laughs) but it, it has changed because of the way that technology oh, has I can only imagine. And so back when there was that 15 minute iteration, did Bravo catch wind of this or? Okay, so the first interaction was Camille Grammer commented on a picture that we posted on Instagram. And she commented like, oh, I so cool. wish I could see this. Wow. Yeah. How did she even Which find was it? Like, was there like a credit. hashtag or something maybe that she stumbled? Oh, very, yeah. okay. Uh, we tagged her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we were doing a lot of tagging in those days, DMing, just sort of like whatever. But the the people that responded, and Michael, correct me if I'm wrong, were like, yes, Camille, but also we got a lot of Dorinda Medley feedback. And then Do- Dolores Catania. Yes, tell the Dolores. Dolores started DMing us. And we were like, okay, Dolores is DMing us. And then Dolores is like, I'm going to come to the show. And we were like, what do you mean? We're literally in New Haven, Connecticut. We're like, you're not coming to the show. And she goes, okay, here's my number, text me. And so I text her, I still have all of, of the same screenshots, text her being like, hey, Dolores is Michael and Patrick, like we'd love to have you at the show, da, da, da. but like no pressure. She calls and leaves me a voicemail. Oh my God, this is Dolores. Of course I'm gonna come see the show. You guys are at Yale, you wrote a show about me. Of course I'm gonna come see the show. I'm gonna visit Frankie, he's at Sacred Heart. I'm gonna go and he, I'm gonna bring Frankie to the show. He's complaining cause there's, you know, exams, but I'm like, Frankie, get in the fucking car. We're gonna go see the show that these boys wrote for me. I was like, uh, we held the show that night. She shows up late. She sits in the front row the entire time. She <laughs> is basically our third cast member because back then it was just me and Michael. And so we would talk about moments and Dolores from the audience would be like, they're absolutely oh. right. That woman's a bitch. And it was like a full call and response moment. When we bowed at the very end, like she just got up on stage with us. Like no one even to bow with us to bow with us obviously and then we spent the night with her and we developed like a like a a closeness with her you know we like facetime with her a bunch she's so lovely so exactly what you think she is um in the best way and uh, yeah and that was our first like that was our first what felt Mm -hmm. to be like an i am other side speechless i think she's in connor's top five she certainly is she certainly is you know, a lot of people say Wait, Margaret Joseph's really revitalized Jersey, but could you imagine the Jersey cast without Dolores? Not at all. She no. She yes. brings the Italiana, but she also brings like the heart, the Patterson, and, like, the realness factor. Mm. Patterson, Pop and Patterson, and it's so satisfying on on these shows where like you know, you always know that even the closest friendships are also alliances. It's so satisfying to have a friendship like Teresa and Dolores's where they really manage, like mm-hmm. she just manages to be like no comment on certain things that Teresa does. Love- and it's like oh all my God. So have you met like big Frankie, little Frankie? Little Frankie we met, he came, he saw the show and then he like pulled us aside after and he was like, Hey, thank you so much for taking oh such God. good care of my mom. <laughs> like, I, he literally, I think he's like, mm, thanks for not mm. making fun of her or something. <laughs> we're like, absolutely. Like what we do is Arthur Miller. Like we're not. And then of course like, I noticed that I think Heather Gay and Leah McSweeney both watched this live streams. When we did it in New York live, like three years ago, Jill Zarin, saw the show and she snuck her Pomeranian into the theater, which was insane and iconic. And then talked to us for two and a half hours after the show oh, ended yeah. about herself. 
Well, also when Jill Zarian came, like she snuck the Pomeranian into the theater, the Pomeranian, and I quote, had a panic attack. So she had to leave two thirds of the way through. Michael and I go off stage, she's downstairs, like in the dressing room, like feeding <laughs> the Pomeranian water. And then she's like, the Pomeranian became overwhelmed because this is, this is only his second Broadway show. We were fully in like a basement in the East Village. We're like, man, this is not a Broadway show. I live for the drama with this no, woman, and I but understand Patrick that because you know protected. we have storylines now emerging on Roni about podcast interviews and things like that, things that are said. So we need to be protective. Every Bravo show is now. You said this on that podcast about me in the off season. Summer House. Yeah. Summer House. Yeah. That was the whole thing. Michael is Michael literally discovered okay. his bisexuality. Okay, and that's oh so God. fair. I'm in that's love. So fair. I don't think it's going to last with um, whatever Des, his name is. Des. Des. Yeah. Yeah, uh, big Kyle. Big Kyle. She had a really rough season, like sort of like a Luann mm-hmm. in the Tom years, like where you show up at that reunion and you just know you're going to get roasted. But I didn't expect her to get fired for it. Like I thought they would let her come back and sort of like get her shit yeah, together. I, I think but, that when Kyle yeah. and Amanda sort of restated the philosophy of the show being friends who live in a share house, I think that maybe reiterated the fact that like, they don't want to be spending their weekends with her. And like the show is different intrinsically than other, other Bravo shows. I don't know. Amazing. I'm going to go see her at city winery. I love that. I, I, I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you think. I think she's funny. You know, you know, summer know house guy. She's hot. And any, any show that is about like heterosexual sex or love or interest. Wait, I, I like can't it. understand. And you know, Connor has gone down that path too. Other than like, honestly, <laughs> other than like Ozark. That's your hall pass in regards to that. I, I totally understand. Okay, wait, last question about yeah, just the, the, the sort of housewives of re- like the ones who have sort of reacted to the show. Any other things you ca- you would be able to mention about? Do they generally enjoy it? I think they like it. I think like certain themes don't always like register. It's sort of like watching something about your life I can understand how it might be like, either like you've seen so much of it that like it sort of all washes together or you know what I mean? I feel like Heather Gay got it the most. Yeah, I think Heather got it. I mean, and I don't want to speak for Heather, but like, because Heather is a fan of the show, just like we are. And, and, And that's so interesting. We talk about this all the time. Like we're entering this new era where all the new housewives are actually huge fans of the franchise. You have like um, Ebony talking about how she's been watching it every single episode of Roni. Like Heather's, what'd you say? Crystal. Crystal's a fan, Heather's a fan. Like, so I think, and so I think, and and the the sort of complex thing about the show is it sort of starts as, uh, it's, it's very like homage forward, but then it really becomes about us in a sort of deranged way. So I think, that the the women who come in expecting like a Joe's Pub stand-up act um, are less satisfied than those who are like real. Very interesting. Form. Okay, this is actually a perfect transition because we, I mean, we got to see the show. I, I watched it twice, the first night and then on Friday night, which we can dive into in a sec. But for our listeners, we really want them to watch the live stream here. So do you mind giving them a brief explanation of what to expect when they go to watch This American Wife this week. Through June 6th. Patrick, you have to do it. I'm obsessed of what to expect. I think that you should expect to be revealed as your true self. You should expect to have the fact that your life is a reality show constructed by the various media that you consume, you should expect for that truth to be unveiled and exposed. And I think you should expect to call into question the very narratives that you believe you've built your personality upon. And you should expect to have some laughs, to do some little dancing, but also to to see the the deep sort of empty tragedy in our gorgeous American oh, dream and I'm, queer existence. I, I'm sobbing. That was that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungover. 
I'm literally drinking tequila margarita out of a can to try to get some hashtag hair of the dog, <laughs> the dog energy, energy into this body. That might be the title of this episode. But anyways, okay, I agree. And you know, you you tugged on Connor's heartstrings when you say the keywords American Dream, which makes Connor sob on cue. Um, very Minari, very <laughs> Miss Saigon. Godfather Part Two. Yes. Godfather Part Two. Uh, Godfather, very a famously so. gay franchise. <laughs> Listen, everything you said is exactly what people will get when they watch it. And I really wanted to watch it at the start of the run and the end of the run because it's very much like seeing something in previews and then going back. But on Friday, I mean, I was there was the treat of you guys doing the vacation sequence, not once, not twice, but maybe three times, the, the, the girls trip moment. Yes. Oh, because of the technical hold. That was a, that was a fascinating moment. Okay, um, the reason behind that is the Airbnb, it's not an Airbnb, I need to stop referring to it as that. I said that it's been in a few publications and I got yelled at. The rental that we are doing the show at, the folks, the, the amazing folks who own the home are very security conscious. And so we've had a few uh, security alarm moments and there was this thing that kept ringing during the vacation section. And so we all assumed it was a security alarm. So the police were called, the, all of this stuff happened, which accounted for the initial hold. And then when we started again, it's the sound started up again and we realized that it was actually, all of our speakers were malfunctioning. So the Great Neck Police was wow. a part of, the Great Neck Police experienced a queer art of failure that night. <laughs> for really the record, for the record. And let's be clear, they That's were right. not welcome at our house. It, it didn't last long, mm -hmm. the, the tech troubles. I mean, it really felt like no time at all because half the show is happening on Twitter anyway, right? I mean, that's one of the interesting parts about pandemic art is that it's not just happening, but it's expected and encouraged, I suppose, right? Totally. When we had, we had one technical hold during the run of Circle Jerk too. And it just felt so natural just like to go on Twitter and tweet a picture of us literally holding in the theater. You know what I mean? Um, which we did this time, but Patrick and Jake, like me and Jakeem are together and Patrick's like in the basement of the house or something at that time. That, so he wasn't house, epic, but I am obsessed. Do you guys miss it already? I mean, it is just so gorgeous. It's haunted. Wait, there what? are spirits in the house. Every night I did offerings of jelly beans and I, every night I said to the spirits, thank you for having us here. We so appreciate um, your letting us be, um, be a part of you. Uh, do you mean gumberries? <laughs> yes, I do mean gumberries. So, so. Is that what Kelly calls them? <laughs> She's like the fairy yes. godmother of this recording. Lots we were like, Kelly, Patrick plays you in the gumberry scene. That's weird. And she That's was so like, weird. <laughs> Always. I mean, it's all so weird. And it's like the thing that, you know, you were talking about earlier, we have talked about in regards to the show, but it's like, it's like these moments that whatever you think of the women, these moments in their lives that were moments of like immense suffering become memes that are used in strictly comedic ways. And it is, a, it, and it is, um, there's a little bit of a whiplash when you meet the actual person and you reference this moment and then you realize actually sure. this moment is yeah. quite traumatic for this person that you're talking to. And you've, and you've sort of put it into an entirely different folder in your brain mm -hmm. and you tweet it out next to like pithy quotes. Fuck. But at the same time, she sort of has like hmm. self mythologized uh, that moment and she, couldn't stop talking about Scary Island last night, which was also very interesting. Yeah, like that I was wonder if she's, she's playing her life in a loop now in a way, I don't know, like oh, Westworld vibes, like interesting. Um, but anyway, I literally love This American Wife yes. so much. Congrats to you both. It was a work of, um, of genius. I it was like I said earlier, like you, I feel like you're creating art for me. And I know that I'm not alone in saying that you touched on topics, themes, moments that were just um, timeless. And I felt like I should have been watching on, on stage or I suppose on screen for much longer than just in the last two weeks. So bravo. And I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of us. <gasps> Drama. <laughs> God willing.
If you know any producers who have contacts at Broadway houses, okay, um, okay. we are available. All right, I see it at the booth. I see it at the booth theater, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Connor, take us, take us back. Well, I want to go back to the beginning because we like to ask all of our guests about the moment that they kind of realized that they loved the arts or entertainment, whatever. We use that, that moment from Fun Home and we take it a slightly different way, but I guess it is Pride Month, so it's all tied in together, but we call it a Ring of Keys moment. Do you feel like you have a Ring of Keys moment as it pertains to a life in the performing arts? My parents tell this story and like, I can't tell if I actually remember it or if I just remember it from their story. But when I saw Beauty and the Beast for the first time on Broadway, I was like five or something. And the orchestra began like with like the first like note of the overture. I like screamed at my parents to like shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, because I was like, it is starting. And then I like stood up and That's watched adorable. the whole show while standing. And I think it might be that, or seeing Hansel and Gretel at the Metropolitan Opera, like seeing these like huge, lavish productions, like as a child, like we're very um And obviously your parents must have loved the arts if they were taking you to these cultural experiences. You know, my okay. grandparents really did. Um, they, they loved theater and loved music and dance. So they took me into okay. the city because okay. I grew up in Jersey. Love it. You know, they're doing Beauty and the Beast on High School yeah. Musical, the musical, the series, season two. Oh, yeah. Wait, I mean, I've it's never watched that show. Kids, it good? But it's so good. The talent is just overflowing. No, but it's like mockumentary <laughs> style about kids who go to the high school where high school musical was actually filmed for disney channel and in the storyline of season one is that they're performing the musical version you know the disney theatrical version of high school musical the musical on stage so but it but it's like at the school where it was filmed it's extremely meta like they're talking about like and also they were born after the year 2000 so it's like a period piece for them so they're um looking at these cell phones being like what how did they you know it's very it's wild as hell. Wait, oh, yeah. it's, this is amazing. In a way, we need to it could also be about the American dream in many ways. <laughs> All right, Patrick, do you have a Ring of Keys moment? Oh my God, I have so many. As Michael was talking, I was just going through millions in my brain, but I think that I'll, I would, I think I, what I have to say is I saw, um, and I think it's actually very of the moment because of, the movie that's come out, but um, I saw 101 Dalmatians when I was a child and was like entranced by it. And I, at age four, like four to six, honestly, had an imaginary life where I was married to Cruella DeVille and we had six daughters, all named, all of which were named <laughs> Victoria. And every time my, my parents would try to discipline me, I would would say oh that's so funny that you actually think that that's how you're gonna parent me cruella and i actually um disciplined the victorias in a quite different way and then like every time every time my parents would like try to read me i'd actually be like you guys are so cute but actually cruella and i like this is how we do it like so, this was also the moment where i i went through a phase at the same time frame where i called my parents mary and chris their first names so I think there was something about Cruella and, and a villain and a sort of fabulous female villain that um, I latched onto for some reason at, at, at a very young age. Um, uh, so that's that. And that's how he, he pulls this shit on, on Rory, our director now too. And he'll be like, Cruella says. <laughs> yeah, except now Cruella's Cat Rodriguez. Wait, so was this the cartoon or the Glenn Close? Cartoon. Okay. No, the cartoon. What a fun. I'm pretty sure the cartoon. You were, <laughs> and I'm seeing such a through line of um, loving these complicated women. You know, that wear fur coats all the way through your whole career. I see it. It's as Taylor Swift would call it, the invisible string. <laughs> <sighs> I'm the biggest Swift. You know what? Do you I, believe I have in a dear, dear friend who fully convinced me over dinner one night before we saw a show about Studio 54 at the Atlantic. And I do in ways, every time I hear dress, I, that's the only time I still think about Kaylor. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's totally Wait, about do her. You, are you a Woodvale truther, Michael? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, the third, the 
the third part of the yeah. uh, Folklore Evermore trilogy. I think that she was like trying to figure out if she had enough songs to do Woodvale. And then she was like, I think some of the Evermore tracks are pushing it. Like, I like the album, but it's no folklore. And, and Evermore, you like, can see she was trying to like head. experiment a little more with different, with different things. And I, I feel like Gold Rush, for example, was like a cut track from Lover or something. Like, and that would make sense it feels because it's like, clearly a Harry Styles track. And she wasn't talking about Harry anymore come folklore. No. I feel like she was it's like, like recycling new, some You know how she like did those from the vault songs? And there's that one song, I think it's Mr. Perfectly Fine, where she says like sachet away. And I was like, oh, she wrote this in 2007. Like she was a RuPaul fan back in the day listening to CoverGirl and- Wait, I was actually thinking about Drag Race a second ago when you guys were talking about how we're in this age of housewives who are joining the cast, having seen 10 plus seasons of housewives. That happened pretty quickly with Drag Race where all of a sudden, it was these queens who had been watching Drag Race since they were 15, raised on the show, and now their dream is to be on Drag Race. It's I'm seeing like an interesting reality show connection to it. I suppose it's different because one of them's competition based and one of them is, I suppose, unstructured reality, but very interesting. So Patrick doesn't watch Drag Race like as religiously as he he must. As I should. But he we all watched the finale together mm -hmm. at Kat's house because we were in rehearsals. Tell your candy memes. Okay, so <laughs> wait, so so okay, I I don't watch. I should watch Drag Race more, and I I will. But honestly, like the Real Housewives of my life, and I don't have space in my life for another franchise in my head for another franchise. But Michael does because he's an overachiever. But <laughs> but okay, so we all go to see the finale of Drag Race. We're like sitting down, we're eating pizza. We're so excited, and I've heard so much about. Um, There's Gottmik, oh my God, I'm there was Simone. The... Yeah, I've heard so much about Simone and Gottmik from everyone. And then we sit down and they all come out and I'm like, oh my God, who's Candy and Muse? I'm obsessed. And everyone is just like, ugh, of course you are, you would be. People, I'm literally like, I'm like, these are my closest friends and I'm like, okay, I should just leave. Everyone wants to kill me, like, because I like Candy Muse. And then when Candy Muse, like, won the lip sync, everyone was like, daggers that. from their eyes at me. I conjured it. But I think she's, I mean, I love, I love, I love the queer art of failure and I love <laughs> seeing someone who really misses she, the mark. She called herself on Twitter Candy Producer Muse all season because in many ways she was carrying storylines through from episode to episode to even to after show into the episodes. So I think you're onto it. Like I like her as a queen. I think she has a great personality. But when you see, and this happens on Housewives too. And we sort of get into this in This American Wife. Actually it's new in this version. But like you see someone producing from the inside, you see a wife like, like Bethany's like the the expert at it, like she does it so beautifully. But then you see someone who's like really unskilled at trying to like produce from the inside. Like I think Leah is doing that this season. Where it's like you have no relationship to Heather Thompson. Like why are you? But I love Leah, so actually I take no. I think back you're right, but I I I under, I'm with you on Leah. I think that she jumped the shark in a way, even with this this vow of silence, because I think they're really struggling to find things. The the pressure's on to make a good reality show in the pandemic, and I think they were just like, what what can we do? Like we're all pretty stable. Aside from poor Sonia, we're all pretty stable right now. So. Did you watch that horrible special that Drag Race did on like yeah, making Drag course, Race in the course. pandemic? We are thinking, well, we're, we have so many ideas, but we have like footage of doing Circle Jerk and This American Wave like behind the scenes. And we're like trying to figure out how to make some sort of documentary that like shows how we approached making pandemic yes. theater. And I watched that and I was like, maybe we shouldn't because that was so boring. <laughs> it was very boring. It was very boring. I think they wanted to be motivational. And I, I also heard that they got a really long season order because they absorbed the secret celebrity drag race episode order, which is like three or four episodes. So they ended up taking it into this season. And that's why there were so many extra episodes of Queens Not Going Home or things like that. 
Yeah, but the that documentary makes was. A lot of sense. It mm, was. My boyfriend stopped watching the season at the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't go on. I don't have the strength. <laughs> Wait, guys, I want to talk about Circle Jerk really quick um, because I also was obsessed with it. And that's how I found you guys because I couldn't log on to Twitter.com for one single second of my life without seeing every gay or gay adjacent internet person tweeting about how obsessed they are with Circle Jerk. So I had to take it in. And let me tell you, I was um, knocked off my feet. I absolutely loved it. Thank you. I mean, Circle Jerk was an amazing, wild experience. There's so much to say about it. I think like, you know, we're theater animals, we're theater creatures. And as Michael alluded to, we love queer theater. And we also love a certain strand of the kind of downtown experimental theater that works a lot with media on stage and cameras and stuff like that. So there was an intuitive, there was a certain intuitiveness because we were gonna do Circle Jerk at Rattlestick and it had cameras and it had the TikTok component. There was a sort of intuitive adaptation to bring it to the digital space. And the fact that it was received by people and that it, became as successful as it did. And the fact that we realized that our real fan base is Gen Z, <laughs> Gen Z teens on TikTok like <laughs> using their parents' credit card. Like it, it, it was all of a blessing and a wild thing, a wild experience. And I think honestly, I feel fortunate that, well, part of me is like, I feel fortunate that we sort of did it first. I feel like the few months leading up to when we were doing Circle Jerk, we were like, no one seems to be doing this. Like, it seems really obvious to us. Like, no one's really doing live theater outside of Zoom. And then we did it and people really haven't been doing it since. So maybe- I, mean, I don't know. I feel no like interested. you've tapped into something because there's been the accessibility conversation and, 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 you know, I watched so many Zoom theater things this year that I don't ever need to again. And I think that, Circle Jerk was brilliant. And Connor mentioned earlier that a lot of the shows, like half of it's on Twitter or what's, that might've been the case with This American Wife, but with Circle Jerk, I was not on my phone at all. It was like such a different thing for me. It was like, you can't miss a moment of it. It was, it was very, very well done. It was like how 30 Rock is like a joke a second and you can't like, if you, if you, you're still laughing at the last joke so you might miss the next one. That's how I felt watching Circle Jerk. It was so jam packed with content. Just well done, y'all. Thank you. It, so in the chronology of the pieces, it's so interesting that the most of the, our audience now experience Circle Jerk first and then This American Wave second, because for us, This American Wave, we wrote first. And a lot of the themes and questions that we sort of end This American Wave with were like the starting point for Circle Jerk. So Circle Jerk is like our baby and it is in some ways like I mean, they're all our babies, but I feel like Circle Jerk is the, sh the project where we really became like writer writers, writer girls, because we wrote, you know, like we wrote a pretty substantial script. Whereas This American Wife, the point is a sort of improvisational score. So that it's been really interesting to see audiences experience both uh, in such a short amount of I time. I love it. It's very like everyone fell in love with other. Hamilton and then realized In the Heights was a thing. Oh my God. Have you guys seen In the Heights yet? Everyone's randomly oh. already seen it. No, I'm, I I'm haven't until guys? I can go to the theater. Jeremy invited us over to watch it, but we Was were- Was that a, for another Jeremy O'Harris uh, name drop there? Connor and I worship, by the yeah. way, like Slave Play. We That one we had to see a couple times to fully grasp and still have yet to fully grasp. But I was gagged when I saw that Jakeem was in your show because obviously he was in Slave Play as well. Jakeem is an old friend. And when we did This American Wife, the, the very first time, the 15 minute version and the, the well, it was supposed to be 40 minute, the second version, but it wound up being an hour and a half, 90. The confessional in 90. the original sort of distended in a way that uh, was exciting for us, maybe less for the audience. But Jakeem was our classmate in school. And we had no idea until after we did the show that he was also a super fan of The Wives. Um, and so we've been like trying to, we, it, it's been a dream to incorporate him and we were finally able to do it when we got for oh, and Jeremy it. behind Okay, really quick, before we move on to our closing segment, I, I have to ask, how did you boys get involved in the Ratatouille TikTok musical? Was it, did Circle Jerk pave the way to Ratatouille? Yes, so we knew Greg Noble who 
uh, runs Seaview Productions, who had produced Slave Play and a bunch of other really cool theater projects. And he and Ars Nova actually, or Steve, you and Ars Nova have commissioned, Patrick and I were writing a musical for the first time with them, which is going to be very mm-hmm. fun and very different for us. Um, so we were already sort of working together on that front. And then he saw Circle, Greg saw Circle Jerk. And then like a month later, Ratatouille was like going viral on TikTok. And he literally called us, the ni- or he was texting us the night before Thanksgiving. We were all drunk and we all committed to doing it. And the next day we were like, yeah, like it, it was early <laughs> January that it happened. I mean, it was like a month then from there, I think, yeah. right? In my head, I'm doing the timeline. Yeah. I was like a part of the team. Anyways, I loved, I, I, it was so fun. No, Thanks. And it was, for us, it was so fun to work with Lucy mm. Moss. Like that was like such an incredible highlight and Eleanor Scott and, you know, the cast was Andrew obviously Brett incredible. He's a dear, dear friend. Yeah. And he's also the he most precious so to ever exist. He's just so pure and nice. Love him. Yeah, and, and it should be said, he did a lot of extra work that other people didn't do. I can say, like, we, you know, we were working out the format yeah. of the whole thing as we were doing it. And Andrew, because he plays such a big part, was very, like, you know, most people basically recorded their contributions and then left. And Andrew was very in dialogue with Lucy in an amazing Love way. It. So oh we owe God. a lot to him. Wait, so what, can you say anything about what it's like to write a musical or are you gonna, are you saving that for the book for like whatever's next? You know, we're just about to start actually. We're gonna do a one week sort of like residency with a composer who we might oh, work cool. with that we're excited about. And honestly, we don't know, but our shows have always been obviously thematically in conversation in one way or another with musical theater. And I think Circle Jerk has the sort of like energy of a musical comedy score sometimes, you know, with the jokes and the, all that. So it'll be interesting to oh, see so what I happens. I think this is the first time we ever told anyone that we're doing a musical. So you, you can drop it. Yeah, you're Breaking the first news on drama. Now. We love it. The Daily Beast will pick it up. Exactly. God willing. Pink news. Radar online. (laughs) I'm obsessed with radar online, if only because I never knew what it was until I watched. And and Atlanta, they're always talking about the blogs, like what the blogs picked up. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, I mean, there's a lot to be said about it, but we have a section at the end of the confessional, as you know, where we sort of like, quote unquote, attack the press. And that is a big, that was like a big um, inspiration behind that. This sort of like sensation when you watch the lives that they're always talking about the press or the blogs or an article or you were saying a podcast, like they're always talking about these other forms of content Mm -hmm. that you don't see on the show, but it's just such juicy offstage drama. It's like like the ancient Greeks staging violence offstage. It's the blog's work is the same way. Absolutely. One of us has a dramaturgy degree in this show. One of us is not. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Yeah. All right. So we are coming to a close here and we like to end on a dose of drama. And it could be something you want to rant about, rave about, promote, a tidbit to share with the listeners, something to point in their direction that they should consume or check out. And I have a dose of drama today. I'm going to kick it off. So her album dropped a few weeks ago, but Gen Z pop singer slash actress Olivia Rodrigo came out with her debut album, which she titled Sour. And I I don't think she should have called it that. I, don't, I think she should probably reevaluate that whole thing. But now there's TikTok theories that there's going to be a, another album called Sweet. It's going to be like a two-part vibe. She's very inspired by Taylor. But my dose of drama about Olivia is this. Everyone was calling her the new Taylor Swift. Driver's License came out and I was gagged. Who wasn't gagged? I mean, it it's an amazing song. And so I, I go to listen to the album, which is only 36 minutes long. I'm like, what happened to longer songs? But anyway, it's all basically every song has the same plot about how she loved this guy. He met another girl who's a pretty blonde actress, and now she's heartbroken. And I love the songs, but I was I was hoping for more depth of storytelling. And people were coming for me on Twitter saying, Connor, she's literally a teenager. And to that I say... There are plenty of teenagers and young people, Gen Z, Gen Zers making 
art that are so multifaceted. And, you know, even Taylor throws in a song about being 22 and about loving her mom on every album. And so if we're comparing Olivia to Taylor, I think they kind of missed the jar, the, the, uh, the mark there. But anyway. I have to say thank you for that. I think it's brave. I think it's brave what you're saying and what you're doing. And I couldn't agree more. I think Taylor Swift is a poet and I think Olivia Rodrigo is very talented, but she, she has, has not proven herself yet. She has time. I do love her, but good for you is oh, an incredible yeah. it's, pop. It's like though. Avril. It's like, so. you know, the, it's what people are saying. It's like Alanis or something. Um, my dose of drama is quick. Yes. I referenced it earlier, but I, I mean, it, I'm a slut for the word iconic. I say it all the time. And I'm thinking that maybe iconic things aren't iconic anymore. And I think it's become less of a powerful adjective. And, you know, shows like Drag Race or things like that, they use iconic a lot. I'm worried legendary is also a word that's being used a little too cavalierly now. And I'm just, I need to try and restrict myself with saying iconic or you're an icon, things like that, because I think we should reserve those words for truly iconic, there I said it, moments. That's all. Again, thank you. Yeah, thank you. A really huge <laughs> activism happening. Do either of you fellas have yes. a dose of drama? I have a dose of drama and it's this album. So everyone's talking about Olivia Rodrigo, who blah, 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 blah. We've already covered her. This album by Girl in Red, have you listened to it? Taylor Swift put it on her Instagram story like a month ago or something. It's called If I If I Could Make It Go Quiet is the name of the album. It's actually heard of it. so good. The song You Stupid Bitch is like amazing. It's just like, it has all the sonic qualities of like an Olivia or like a Lord, but it's it's queer. It's very like strange and queer and amazing. And I think she's like European or something. Like, I don't even know where she came from. Yeah, I love the album. There's a lot of drama on it. Um, love it. I would recommend it highly. Okay, I have a rant. This is not gonna be fun. You can delete it from your podcast. I've been moving for the past week. And can I talk about the waste that we amass in our apartments? I live in a three bedroom apartment and life is fine. And I like to think that I live a, a pretty like normal, regular life. And I moved all of the things I wanna keep yesterday. Today I go back to my apartment. I'm like, I'm just gonna throw away the like few things I have to throw away. When I say there's a mountain outside of my apartment building of my own trash, I am not exaggerating. I'm talking like bottles of condiments. I'm a condiment queen. What can I say? I love sauces, but that adds up. I'm talking like little toothpaste, skincare, da -da 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 -da, like little random shit that adds up. I'm talking about hand towels. For some reason, my mother is devoted to hand towels. She literally drives with like little towels in her car to clean things up with. She thinks she's recycling. I have like so many cloth towels that I just had to throw away. I'm talking about just so much so much like trash. I have so much trash in my life that I just threw away and it's made me, do I want to become an, like an eco-activist, an eco-terrorist? No, I want to live my life. I want to work in the theater, famously the most wasteful industry, one of the most wasteful industries in the world. We create sets, we trash them, we don't recycle. We get costumes, they go in the garbage. But I, it makes me want to like reassess my relationship to material goods, looking at like, I literally walked into my apartment building today and I thought like, whatever, I'm hungover, this is gonna be easy. I'm gonna do like a few mops, whatever, whatever. No, I had to throw away like all of these crazy objects that I live with. Anyway, this is probably boring and yeah, trash, trash. I'm surrounded by trash always. And Tom Ford, I don't know if this is ironic or not. My Instagram keeps showing me targeted ads of Tom Ford with a perfume called Ocean Plastic. I'm like, is this some eco perfume or is this a joke? Is this an SNL skit? Is there a scent to ocean plastic? Am I contributing oh, to ocean wow. plastic? Patrick, it's know. drama. Life is drama. <laughs> I'm shocked by what you have just said. I've become an eco activist and that's what our musical is going to be. Very timely. I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly, I relate. I moved and my boyfriend moved from our places into one home and the number of things we've had to throw away or consolidate is disgusting, especially the condiments, the spices. The spices, I'm also like, do I save all of these spices that I have? 
I don't know. Like, do they go bad? I've heard conflicting. Does anyone out there know? Write, write us, thedramapodcast at gmail.com to tell us if spices go bad. We don't know. Drama. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. I'm obsessed. And you're so fun. And the art that you're creating is just phenomenal. So I cannot wait to see what's coming next. And I hope that everyone who's listening does check out This American Wife. Where can they find it? Should they just Google This American Wife? You can go to our website, which is thisamericanwife.live, and you'll get all the clicks and links and And you don't need to be a Housewives aficionado to watch this, I will say. I only watched three of the franchises. And let me just say, you will know the references if you are on Twitter. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) (laughs) It might inspire you to start a new franchise binge, which I'm definitely contemplating now, so. Wait, there's something else I need to say about This American Wife. One of my favorite moments from the, the experience, one that was so visceral and silent that it didn't even need dialogue or anything attached to it. And it was that of the tray of sprinkle cookies being walked through the house. It was, it evoked something in me that I haven't felt in years. And like I said, no explanation needed. And, and the real ones will know, but bravo. I am <laughs> gagged. Thank you. During tech, I took those break, we were doing the shot and Jakeem like offered me a cookie and I just like was like, okay. So I like bit it on camera. And then like after the run someone came up to me and was like do not eat those cookies like they're Ooh, like seven just weeks like old. melissa gorda <laughs> planned she hates teresa right? exactly yes and teresa hates her yeah i mean melissa must yeah. love teresa they need teresa each other in a way well teresa needs melissa because of her brother you know to be happy anyway thank you mm-hmm. for powering through this hangover through this amazing night with KKB to join us yeah. today. We, we are, this was a delight for us. So thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. You guys are amazing. Yeah, you yes. guys. And if you're ever in New York, we should hang out. <laughs> now that COVID's been, been, been cured. Absolutely. I would love City, that. I'm coming back out. this summer. So actually, if you know anybody who needs a roommate, hit me up. Bitch, I just moved out of my apartment. <laughs> well, listen, there's lots of, there's lots of places to follow the fake friends. Yeah, where, sh- where do you want them to go? Because there's like five different accounts they could seek. Okay, you're <laughs> triggering us right now. You're triggering us. Stop triggering. We, two days before <laughs> Circle Jerk went live, we got locked out of Talk our fake drama. friends Instagram account. Yeah, that's drama. And we have not been able to get back into it because it's set up with Patrick's Yale email address that is no longer active. But I mean, we can't even go into it. We resuscitated the email account and Instagram still wouldn't give it back to us. So there's institutionalized homophobia everywhere, including in tech. Follow us on Twitter at fake friends, fake with three A's, fake friends. And then follow the show on Instagram at this American wife, but no... It's spelled this, weirdly. Just this American wife, I think no I A A. Follow our personal accounts too because and that's we're gonna what put all of this in uh, the notes of the episode too. So that's what really matters. <laughs> and you're Misha, Misha Breslin and Patrick Fly one without vowels, yes. My Twitter is Patrick Foley one with no vowels and my Instagram is Guys, Patrick I, Foley. I wanna with help no you vowels. consolidate in some way. I know. You're, you're telling me, our, our, we had a PR person for the first time on Circle Jerk, and he screamed at me. He was like, you are an idiot on social media. Why are you private? Why on Twitter is your image not your face? And well, blah, blah, blah. I think being There's private a leads a little bit of mystery. Click, yeah. around, click around on bravotv.com. <laughs> well, thank you all. This was a delight. Connor? Make sure everyone follows you at Connor McDowell, me at Dylan McDowell, the podcast at The Drama Podcast, and we'll absolutely see you next time. Drama! Drama.